guy, John Lawson, who named himself Pazuzu. He became a quote-unquote Satanist. He had followers. The misfits, the outcasts. He tried to have orgies and manipulate people into having sex. People would come to Pazuzu's house because there was no rules. There was always black metal blaring at ear-shattering volume. Police today looking for the bodies of two local men believed to be missing. Dude, your house smells like death. Oh, yeah, it's just the bodies in the basement. We got a possible serial killer. We executed a search warrant. They didn't find anything. Why did all this happen? How could we have let this happen? and they believe in a very tactile battle between the forces of good and evil. Between the devil and God and his angels. Dispatch is a local news blog I found it with my wife here in Winston-Salem in 2012. Ever since Pazuzu was arrested, I've been trying to get past the rumors and the sensationalist headlines to get to the real story behind this man, his crimes, his victims, and how this could have happened in our community. What I'm finding is that this story is not just about murder. It's much bigger than that. No one really knows how many crimes have taken place. I mean, the investigation's still not over. There could be more victims. Where I kind of made an emotional connection with the story, honestly, is the story of Josh. What often happens in the sensationalism is that we have headlines that say Satan, Satan, Satan. And we don't understand a story like Josh Wesley and his family. The guy could have been me. I went through so much. Our lives have just been, been very complicated by this. And thinking about what happened, and then just being part of a story that's so fantastic and, and dark and terrible. And I think sometimes, you know, how did I end up in the middle of this story? My name is Stacy Carter. Josh and I were together for six years. Josh and I met in 1999 in Olympia, Washington, when I was traveling out west. I was 20. Five. 
He was 22, so he was a little bit younger. I wasn't super outgoing, and being with Josh was so much fun because he knew everybody <laughs> within a very short time and was much more outgoing. We got a van and traveled the country. He really preferred the company of people who are outside of the mainstream. I loved his passion for life. I loved his dedication and commitment to his sense of right. And Josh was beautiful. I remember seeing him sleeping after I'd first met him and just thinking he had the most beautiful face I'd ever seen. So there was that too. Josh grew up in uh, Virginia and he took horseback riding lessons and loved horses, loved animals. He never said no to a stray dog. That was one of the things that brought us together and kept us together with that common vision and that connection with horses. Well, we bought land and our plan was to build a training center. So he wanted to bring horses in for rehabilitation. And so we had this dream and this vision of the farm. And then when she got pregnant, they settled down, bought a small farm that they were going to turn into a horse farm, got screwed by a bank, you know, right before all the loan companies and everything start to fail. And Josh's life starts going downhill there. We lost the farm in 2008, and since then, I've been working for other people, trading work for rent, but not getting paid. Our dream that we shared involved having our farm and, and having our business, and you know, we, we trusted the banks, the mortgage brokers. They said, oh, I'm going to help you. And what they really did was convinced us to do something that destroyed us. He ends up with a home that he can't afford that gets foreclosed on. His wife leaves him because he got desperate and he started thinking about selling drugs. I mean, it was pretty benign stuff like weed and mushrooms, but his wife didn't want a child around that sort of thing. She still loved him, she still cared about him, but she had to leave. He was the love of my life, you know? I think that we would have worked out our differences. I feel like together we could have accomplished so much. But his house was searched and raided by police. He had gotten a package of psychedelic mushrooms delivered through the mail. Because it was sent through the mail, it was considered a felony. It was front page news in his little town. <laughs> that really kind of changed everything for him. He lost his clients in his hoof trimming business. He was searching hard, but with a felony on his record, nobody would give him a job. So again, the drug war takes out another guy. 
once you've gotten out of jail, we beat them down economically to the point that they have to turn back to crime to try to function in a society that demands a certain amount of you know, economic promise. It becomes hard. He was struggling. Um, you know, for whatever reason, he, he ended up in the same circle as Pazuzu. Since the mid-1990s around the Winston suburbs, people knew of a guy called John Lawson, who named himself Pazuzu. Pazuzu had done everything he could to make himself seem scary to the people in town. He was trying to freak people out. He claimed to sacrifice animals. He claimed to be able to control the weather. He had filed his teeth down with a Dremel tool, and he had tattoos printed all over his face. He became Winston-Salem's own maskiness icon of depravity, and he created a following of disaffected youth desperate for an escape. Pazuzu had followers, more or less. I was certainly one of them. We were these people who were intrigued by this free atmosphere that he built around himself. I kind of look at Winston-Salem as sort of a black hole. So a lot of people go down some pretty dark paths in this town, myself included. <laughs> 